Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. After a humiliating 10-wicket defeat to New Zealand in their World Cup opener, Sri Lanka are on the board, beating Afghanistan by 34 runs in a topsy-turvy, rain-affected clash in Cardiff. It was not a game for the purists, with both sides showing their fallibility with the bat, but Sri Lanka will be mightily relieved to have their first victory in the tournament, with many having tipped them for the wooden spoon. In other news, Dale Stane will sadly play no part in the tournament, a persistent shoulder injury forcing his withdrawal. Things go from bad to worse for South Africa. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Phil Walker's taking a well-earned breather today. This is marathon, not a sprint, after all. And I'm joined here at the Oval by two familiar voices to regular listeners of the show. On this sunny evening after a soggy day in South London, a warm welcome to Elizabeth Ammon, cricket news reporter for The Times and Wisden Cricket Monthly columnist. And also joining me is Crickviz Wiz Kid, Ben Jones, who I genuinely think was more excited about this World Cup than, well, anyone else I've spoken to. Ben, six days in, are your hopes and dreams being realised? I mean, I don't think they can actually meet what I wanted this World Cup to be, <laughs> but they're pretty, they're pretty close. We've packed a lot of very good into a very short amount of time. Um, it's, it's been unexpected. There's been, there's been thrills. There's been upsets. There's been great catches. There's been great bowling. I mean, come on. It's the World Cup. It's happening I worry, like there. Ben, I worry, Ben, that you might not be able to sustain this for the next six too weeks. Too much, too early. <laughs> I'm, I'm having the cricketing equivalent of a sugar rush. Yeah. But, it's, but it's good for the moment. Anyway, let's go straight into that Afghanistan-Sri Lanka game. Uh, ben, what was your moment of the day? Um, it was kind of two-pronged, really. Um, the Tazara Pereira catch of uh, Hazratullah Zazai, um, who obviously the most important Afghanistan player really he's kind of the one that could win the game for them um, and he kind of pulls it down to final leg and Barrera who's not the most svelte of gentlemen sure. it's fair to say <laughs> he's a heavyweight competitor kind of dives forward and takes it like just inches off the turf I didn't think he was catching that one no, I have I to d- say I, I don't think he d- I'm <laughs> not sure he, he still did. has <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not the best fielder in the world but he takes it and it was amazing but it was also great because I was watching it on the train um, coming in to record this, obviously, because I'm very committed. Obviously. Um, and I was watching it on my phone, and there were a few other people on the kind of four seat around me on the train. And in the few hours before, they were like, oh, what are you watching? I was like, oh, yeah, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka. And they were like, oh, Afghanistan, play cricket. Da, 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 da. And bring them all in. And it was 
perfect timing because it's like, oh, suddenly this like slightly rotund gentleman dives forward and takes an incredible catch. And I'm like, that is amazing what you've just seen. And that then, is cricket. I was right. like, that is the World Cup right there is four random strangers on a train between Oxford and London watching a Sri Lankan take a catch off an Afghani batsman. I was like, that's what it's all about, really. That's the World Cup right there. Um, Lizzie, I mean, there was a stage there where it was looking quite painful for Sri Lanka uh, when Afghanistan got off to a flyer in that innings. Uh, are you relieved for Sri Lanka that because it was it was starting to look quite bad for them in this tournament? Well, I mean, they looked an absolute rabble and bizarre selection decisions coming into the tournament. And that first game, I thought, oh, this could be uh, they could genuinely not win a game mm. in this entire group stage. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that's good for the tournament or good for world cricket or or, or any of that. I, um, it, it is. I just have such an affiliation with the Afghanistan team because they're all so joyful and so wonderful that I would rather have. Um, I'd rather they won, but <laughs> it's good for the tournament. I'm going to take the corporate view. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Um, Lizzie, we'll come to your moment of the day because I know it's not from that game specifically. My moment was uh, Mohamed Nabi's three wickets in an over. Um, he'd already tightened things up after Sri Lanka had really got off to a flyer. Um, then Tiramani played on. Two balls later, he had Kushal Mendes caught a slip. And then from the last ball of the over, he has Angelo Matthews also caught a slip. Um, three wickets in an over. Sri Lanka has slipped from 144 to one, uh, for one to 146 for four. Uh, he didn't spin it much, possibly at all. Ben, you can probably tell me the, the stats on this. Oh, well, well, I mean, the stats on the spin are, as you'd expect, it barely moved off the straight. Yeah. But the point is, it was one of the slowest balls he's bowled like, in the last year. He's, he, he tossed it up so much. Right, okay. gave it so much air, which is one thing if you're Rashid Khan and you, you've got all the whip of a leg spin. But actually, he's doing it as a finger spinner and he's throwing it up there. Like, that is really asking to be hit out of Cardiff. And it's more of a gamble. And as a result, it was more exciting when it came off. And, yeah, I mean, Mo Nabs is just one of the best, most fun stories in cricket. Because, you know, he's, I, I was looking at his, his Crick Info profile today and was shocked that he's 34. Because it feels like he's just kind of come out of nowhere and, like, into, this, into the world of kind of international prominent cricket and everyone's falling in love with him at like slightly different rates. Some, sometimes it's in the IPL and sometimes it's when you're watching Afghanistan on a dodgy stream at mm. two in the morning. Um, name, no names, Freddie Wild. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's what's, again, what's so great about the World Cup is everyone kind of being like, who's this random Afghanistan off-spin all-rounder? And actually, it's, he's, a, he's a world-class player. And he's been there from the start of the, the Afghan journey, if we can call it that. Um, Four for 30, I should say, from his nine overs today. Um, as you say, 34 now. Uh, I've got a quiz question for you. How many international teams do you think Mohamed Nabi has played against? Um, ben, you, you give me a shout yeah, first. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit. I'm going to say 11. Is I he? think it's probably more than that, is it? I don't know, maybe 18? 45. What? 45 <laughs> countries. Because they started... Are 45 countries in the world? Apparently, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should check the stat. Um, yeah, because obviously they started early days playing that, that tournament in Jersey, which was on the, the, the oh, film yeah, about Afghanistan cricket. Yeah, so they yeah. played all these countries that no one else plays, yeah. moved their way up the world cricket leagues. A lot of those he wouldn't have played in the last couple of years, obviously. But um, yeah, astonishing stat, if it's true. <laughs> I'm pretty well, sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, Moving on from today's game, Lizzie, what, what was your moment of the day? Um, my moment of the day actually came from a press conference, and it's not often you say that, is it? Um, but it was from uh, Steve Rhodes' press conference earlier today here at the Oval. Um, he was asked about how uh, the team rebuilt after the Christchurch uh, terrorist incident. And it was really quite a moving answer, really. He talked about how proud he was of them and how he was a little bit worried how you rebuild from that, because it was clearly 
enormously traumatic for them. But he talked a lot about brotherhood and they've got smiling faces and they were a real team and actually some good has come out of that. And I just thought that was a really lovely moment. Well, they are. I mean, he's obviously... Bangladesh were moving in the right direction before he turned up, but they do seem to be clicking really well. And Ben, you wrote a really nice piece uh, on Bangladesh's victory over South Africa. Um, do you want to tell us about kind of, what were your impressions of Bangladesh? Oh, I mean, it was it was kind of twofold, really, because it was the impression of the team and the impression of the fans. I mean, at the start of the day, I, w- I got to the Oval about 9am and it was kind of mainly South Africa, maybe 50-50. And then all of a sudden there was this influx of Bangladesh fans and you're thinking, OK, this is this is actually pretty special and they because they're making so much noise and then the team matches the performance of the fans and some Yasaka comes out and he's playing and missing at like more than one in three deliveries he's just making so many mistakes but he's scoring runs and it's kind of driving Bangladesh to the highest highest ever power play in the last apart from the Ireland game it was kind of of the last 12 months and they played so few defensive shots and they just kind of came out and they they kind of took the moment of this is our first game in the World Cup and we're going to make it count and they made their highest ever ODI score and then they defended it with brilliant spin bowling and by their, their, their training outside of the Yeah, you can hear anything. That's them playing, they're playing football. That's why they're so excited, yeah. obviously. I mean, yeah, not quite as loud as the fans were on Sunday, but they're kind of pretty close for, for 15 guys. But it was, it was amazing. And the Oval is a wonderful place to watch cricket when you get neutral fans in as well mm. because you realise that actually London's, London's an amazing city for that in terms of its demographic and suddenly it was full and we saw that again in Nottingham the other day with all the Pakistan fans and yeah it, it was it was a wonderful occasion and it kind of sparked the start of the World Cup for me because it felt like this was the moment where something unexpected first happened yeah and also where something kind of truly historic happened it was the best thing that Bangladesh have ever done with the bat and they've done it on the biggest stage of all and a lot of people saying that shouldn't have been considered too much of a shock given they got to the semi-final of the Champions Trophy quarter-final of the last World Cup beating a lot of good sides on home soil generally what chance do we give them then tomorrow against New Zealand? Um, well, it sort of depends. It's a day-night match, and I'm not sure that's in their favour. No. Um, I think that will play into the hands of, uh, of New Zealand's bowlers. They are without Southie, who's still injured. Is he? So um, okay. Tom Latham confirmed that they will have the same 11. Now, um, that's a good 11, but... And Matt um, Henry bowled, who probably wouldn't yeah, have played, came yeah. in and bowled very well. Um, I was going to say, that's no bad thing, having no Southie at the moment, because Henry's one of the best new bowlers in the world at the moment just hitting, hitting good length on green seamers mm. but they're riding high they seem full of confidence you know I've been watching them training and they're out there they sound, I mean they sound full of beans don't they out there <laughs> play, playing football um, I, I really think tomorrow actually might be a really good match a really two two sides who could get, make, make it really entertaining well it'll be interesting because obviously the other game that's happening is at roughly the same time is probably the more prominent one but actually we might be in for a thriller um, at the Oval hopefully that's the one I'm going to um, chatting about South Africa leads me on to an important question Ben Jones what kind of laptop do you have um, I'm not quite sure I think it's a HP Pavilion um, right I, mean, yeah. I was hoping for your sake it was kind of one of those Mac Airs rather than chunky <laughs> thing because for those of you who didn't see it Ben Jones's tweet on May the 27th read if South Africa don't go further than Australia I will eat my laptop. Didn't say I didn't want to eat my laptop, though. Like, I, <laughs> okay, right, I see. Quite, Is that, that's the route you're going down. Um, I mean, it's a bit mean to pick out a pre-series prediction because we've all made them. And, and no, apart, apart, apart from me, obviously, well, everyone's Phil, getting them all Phil wrong. Phil called you up on your, your uh, root comment Which yesterday. is absolute crap as well. <laughs> but anyway. No, I mean, the, the thing with, obviously, Del Stain now withdrawing is it's given me a very convenient crutch um, to kind of aid my argument. The, point, the reason I said that ahead of the World Cup is because you look at that attack of Lungi and Gidi, Kuyisa Rabada, 
and Dale Steyn, aided by Imran Tahir, that, as a foursome at the very least, is incredibly good. Like, that, that's, that's the best four bowlers in any team in the World Cup. Aided by a very secure batting lineup, and as we've seen, it's not been a 320 par World Cup so far. It's been more of a kind of you get 300 during the game, mm. and that was the way I was going with it. But I didn't really compensate for the fact that Lungingidi's hamstrings are slightly more vulnerable than I thought, and um, and Dale Stain, I probably could have called that he was going to get injured, but I chose not to. And Australia, are they stronger than we expected, or is it just too? I mean, they've just beaten Afghanistan comfortably, which we probably would have expected, but the way they did it, there was a kind of... There's yeah, a, there's there was an air about, yeah. yeah, there was an air about them, and I think you just can never underestimate an Australian team with a point to prove, mm. um, which they have, haven't they? I mean, they, they, they were... So I was at Bristol, and they were loudly booed, booed and I'm not sure... I'm sure that, that's it's not, not helping, helping matters, yeah, it's actually. It's not helping at all. Um, so, yeah, I think Australia actually... And they're all fit... They're, all, they're, they're not. They're not got injury worries, have they? And they all look fit, and they look fit in the field, and they look fit in training. And you can't say the same about South Africa. Well, that was what I was going to say: is that if you take away the two best seamers from any side, yeah. they're going to be in trouble. Like if Australia lose two, if they lost Stark and Cummins, the guys coming in, well, I mean, it's pro- it's maybe someone from the JLT who's done very well, but it's not high-profile bowlers. It's, it's maybe Berendorf being promoted into the team, but it's maybe Peter Siddle coming into the 15. Mm. These aren't great players, and it's the same across the board. Or we, Hazelwood, we, as well, who is... I'm, I'm not convinced that they want Hazelwood in the ODI. They, they just want him in the rest him, of yeah. the Ashes. Quite yeah. rightly, too. Um, Apparently not very happy about that. Well, you wouldn't be, would you? The World Cup's so great, as yeah. we all know. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I'm still not convinced about Australia at this stage. I, like, I obviously think there's a lot of talent in that side, but I think that they are... They've still got a team to win the 2015 World Cup. And I think as everyone gets a bit more comfortable and people realise that not every single innings in this World Cup is going to matter because there's, there's room for error. You can, you can go out and try and get 360 and lose and it's fine. People will lose that pressure fear and people will start to batter Australia, I think. We hope. We hope. I, I'm not going to eat a different part of my technology collection. Maybe my iPod or something. But that's basically <laughs> like you're doubling, doubling down. <laughs> Excellent. Um, we should also talk a bit more about Dale Stain because cricket can be pretty cruel sometimes. Uh, he won't play in, in another World Cup. Obviously, he might not play another ODI. Quite, quite likely. Um, his last act in the World Cup will be being hit for six by Grant Elliott, collapsing to the ground at Eden Park and scaring and staring into the Auckland night sky, which is pretty brutal for the best bowl, best fast bowler of the of modern times. Yeah, I mean, Faf was there were, there were some pointed comments from Faf in his press conference earlier about whether or not on the eve of his last World Cup he should have actually gone to the IPL um, mm. and whether he should have not. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say exactly those words, but he, he, made, he referenced... Well, Stain is clearly a really likeable guy and everyone wants to think the best of him, but it maybe was a, a slightly odd choice. But part of the point was that RCB were in all kinds of trouble and they were, they were probably, you know, called him and made him a very good offer and said, right, come on. You want to be on the highest stage ahead of the World Cup, get some match practice. If he goes and does a Joss Butler and has an incredible end to the IPL and then goes into the World Cup and win in incredible form, then we're probably all lauding the decision. Um, so it's, it's double-edged. That's the thing, because he hasn't played a lot of cricket over the last year or so. So you can understand that desire to, to get into exactly. rhythm. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously all just backfired on him. And now they've all uh, called up Boran Hendricks. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Left-arm seamer with only two ODIs. And I think we were being honest... Who? We don't know a huge, <laughs> huge amount about him, which really, but that 
sums up well perhaps our lack of cricket knowledge, but more importantly, uh, the lack of depth in South African cricket right well, now. Yeah, I mean, when I saw his name, I, th- I immediately thought of Dwayne Olivier in terms of he would be the guy who would come in. He's the next. I mean, he might have even been in the squad. Um, and South Africa have been unlucky with him. He would have come in before Morris, you'd have thought. Who was also a, yeah, they, yeah, they have maybe. been they have been unlucky with injuries, haven't exactly, they? They really have. Yeah, you, it, it's, it was fair to think they would do quite well. <laughs> <laughs> right you are going to make this point, <laughs> Ben. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely. Yeah. It is it is a, it is a valid point though. If we're looking at you look at scores at elsewhere around the country and quite how many South African bowlers are playing in county championship and 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 they're not there to call up for South Africa. It's it's a it's a bit of a concern, isn't yeah. it? Really, that there's no, there's not, there's not the players coming through. Would an attack of Kyle Abbott, Dwayne Olivier, Morning. Morning Morkel be better than Rabada, um, Hendricks, and Morris, Quayo and Morris? Yeah, it probably would. Quite be, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also wanted uh, at this stage, after six whole days of the tournament, uh, talk about what's surprised us so far. What we, what we have seen that perhaps we didn't expect. And I was going to start because I'm the host and I can, I can do that. Uh, I was going to start by saying the number of short balls. We, we thought this was going to be a bat, batsman-dominated tournament. Uh, it hasn't quite played out that way so far. Uh, there's obviously a notable tactic from the fast bowlers to hit the middle of the pitch a lot of short balls and for the most part it seems to have worked Ben you've you've looked into this a little bit have you yeah I've, I've crunched the numbers um and we have ball tracking data available for the last four world cups um at Great Viz and the 44 percent of pace deliveries at this world cup have been short which is the most ever for those four world cups right and the average of 26 for those short balls is the best ever so basically there have been more short balls than there have ever been and they've been better. Now, maybe if we could go all the way back to yeah, the, the ones in the 70s and 80s when they played at the red ball and all of that, then maybe it would be slightly different. But in the modern era, this is a, this is a pretty new phenomenon, and it's quite surprising given you know, the, the hitting range of a lot of the modern batsmen. I think partly it's been influenced by the grounds that we've played on in terms of the Oval and Cardiff are both very big square boundaries. And, and so that's interesting, isn't it? Because the way the performance works, we just, we just move on now, so the Oval is forgotten. Yeah. And then when you move to a new surface and the, the World Cup could potentially kind of change in dynamic again, which is a really fascinating angle to it, actually. Yeah, boundary sizes are a weirdly underexplored thing in cricket in terms of how they, the way they're analysed. And um, I think it's a crusade of a few of us to like get them noted on scorecards and things because it makes a big difference if you're a player who is incredibly good square of the wicket. If you've got a 60-metre boundary like James Vince had in a few of the Royal London games when he, when he rocked up here at the Oval, it's, it's beautiful and you're, you're in dreamland. But if you've got you know, 85 metres to clear, short balls suddenly become an incredibly good tactic because you've got to hook like a genius to get them over the rope. Um, and that's why playing at so many different venues um, is quite an interesting element of this World Cup. Do we think batsmen are just less good at playing the short ball as well? Is there an element of that in here? I mean, the way Pakistan, for instance, played against West Indies, it looked like they'd never seen a short ball before. Well, I wonder if they don't face it quite as much, Yeah, particularly not in, in a number of the T20 uh, franchise competitions that the pitches would not you wouldn't get short balls sure, in those yeah. uh, and that's where they're playing a lot of their white ball cricket is in those tournaments and perhaps not facing it yeah. it's also the way that spells can be created in, like Andre Russell was the one that really kind of started that Pakistan collapse and he bowled 16 deliveries 15 of which were short and that was kind of his spell his 16 deliveries is the average length of his spell in a T20 game this year. Like he doesn't get to bowl that often. And so given a bit of time, a bit of like a wider canvas to kind of explore stuff, he mm. can try different things and just bowl short for a bit and it comes off. Uh, Lizzie, what surprised you so well, far? Or have you not been Have you, you know, seen it all? I mean, it perhaps shouldn't <laughs> surprise me, but the differing standards 
in fielding from truly awful, I mean, village under tens <laughs> diving over balls to unbelievable. And I don't know whether I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised, but it seems to me that fielding is one of the things that you can just, that should be getting better and better and better mm. um, across international teams. And yet, even England, I, oh, we saw some some oh, some awful stuff. Well, you talk about yeah disparity. England's two performances have already I been mean, the most marked disparity. It started of, of with the Morgan inexplicably in the first over, just diving over in the way that you and I would in a club match. You know, yeah. um, and, and I don't quite, I can't quite get my head around why that that is because it's not. It can't be the surfaces. I mean, these are the lushest, most incredible carpet outfields going across all of the venues really it, it, it's like I find it slightly surprising that we are we are still seeing awful fielding performances in 2019 and however much you practice it which they obviously do a huge amount we know the England team do a huge amount it's still that thing where it becomes infectious isn't it one person drops mm. a catch and the whole thing spreads um, Ben I know you've got kind of the fielding uh, metric uh, yes, uh, this is where I disagree with you both and it, <laughs> wasn't, okay, all right. it, it wasn't as bad as we, as we thought it, yesterday, was, wasn't. It, it wasn't I think one of, the, one of the things with fielding and I think as, as fans and observers of the game, we always pick up on fielding as indicative of the team's wider kind of set, how it's feeling, how it's, its vibe, really. It's like, oh, if they're fielding well, they're clicking, everything's in place, they're being very professional. And if they're bad, it's like, oh, they're a rabble. They're not even, the team, there's no team ethic. Da, da, da. Whereas actually, it's just, it's just something that you do. You, you, know, you do it better or worse. It's like any other skill in the game. Against um, South Africa, we estimated that England saved 35 runs in the field, which is their second best since the start of 2015 when we started recording stuff. Um, against Pakistan, we recommend that we we uh, we collected data that suggested that it was saving 20 runs, and that's partly because we all forget the fact that Chris Wokes took three or four yeah, really good catches. Yeah, yeah. That is a very and good we, point. And we all like, well, you know, they were all right. Ben Stokes takes one blinder, we all lose our minds. But yeah. Chris Wokes takes four relatively difficult catches, including one really difficult catch, and we all go, oh, yeah, yeah it doesn't really matter because we rem- we remember the fact that Morgan in the second over the game or the first over the game runs over one, but that only costs one or two runs. Sure. England didn't lose that game because of the fielding; they lost it because Rashid got whacked and they couldn't whack Shoaib Malik. That's that was the difference between the two sides. But it feels different. And Roy dropping her fees. Yeah, Roy dropping her fees was not great. Yeah, I'm not going to try and defend that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because it's, it's Jason Roy and it's like he's, so, he's relentlessly good at backward point and it was a surprise. But the point, the point is, is that I think we overestimate fielding because it's something we can all understand how to do. You, you need to bend down and pick the ball up and throw it into the, into the keeper. That is something we've all done at some level yeah. and we understand it. Whereas I think sometimes when Joss Butler kind of Gets down on one knee, closes his eyes, leaves the stadium, and scoops the bowler over over you know over the ground. Then we kind of go, okay, well I don't know what's happening anymore. It's it's so far from our own experience. Fielding feels quite close, so I think we overestimate it. And I think the fact that um, fielding mistake you can't you can't put fielding mistakes down to good bowling or good batting, really, can you? Yeah, they're exactly. not. They're, it's not someone else is doing that. Sure. You have done that. It's just one person's yeah. error. Yeah. Um, so who uh, say since the last Champions Trophy, uh, who's the best fielding side in the world, Ben? Sorry to put you on the spot. Do you know this stuff off the... I no, assume you know no, all of this. <laughs> I know who the worst fielder, fielder in the world is. It's Ashley Nurse. He's the statistically, <laughs> he he's statistically the worst fielder in the world. Yeah, but oh, it might oh. take him about two months to get from down to the ground. I mean, he's quite Yeah, big. but I mean, that, that is quite an important thing to be able to do. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Also, England, unfortunately, are, England are up there consistently, right. which is why I think people were so shocked the other day at Trent Bridge, was that England are so good all the time that actually when they perform slightly below what we'd expect, we think they've had a shocker. 
God, well, Ashley Nurse as well. I mean, if West Indies keep going with all-out pace, he might not bowl very much, and he's it's, batting it's, at eight. So he's kind of a specialist fielder, yet also the worst fielder in the world. It's 1970s all over again, isn't it? It's just, it's just the pace barrage. But yeah, Nurse isn't really in there to do anything. I mean, they, they could just pick another batsman, or I think his position might be vulnerable because, yeah, he really isn't offering much. Um, listeners, we would like you to tell us what surprised you so far in the tournament. Uh, big surprises, little surprises, pleasant surprises weird surprises we want to hear them uh, tweet us at wisdom cricket or direct to me at joe underscore wisdom not at joe underscore harman because that is a soul singer from sussex um who coincidentally i went to university with her boyfriend and um, we've had a weird, weird kind of cro- crossovers um so don't don't tweet her i don't know what to do with that joe <laughs> <laughs> um just tweet me um Thanks ever so much for coming on the show, Ben and Lizzie. Uh, we hope to hear more from you over the course of the tournament. Definitely. Hopefully so. Yeah, that's, that's committed. We'll, <laughs> they'll be back. Signed in blood. <laughs> uh, and this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'll be back tomorrow to look back on a mouth-watering doubleheader. India finally begin their tournament against South Africa, who desperately need a victory. And then uh, later in the day, New Zealand and Bangladesh, who each won their first game face-off at this very ground, at the Oval. Phil Walker will be back alongside me, and we'll also be hearing again from South African writer Daniel Gallen, who was less than impressed with his team's performance against Bangladesh. Can fast men cause an upset? Don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify. Podcast Network.